1: Hello and welcome to the final episode for this year of Bah Humbug, the Christmas movies podcast that is about to retire for another 11 months to spend more time with, uh, okay, let's be honest, this tray of mince pies. I'm your host, Helen O'Hara, and today I'm going to be talking about Hawkeye and Christmas movies with Bert and Bertie. Now, I know what you're thinking, isn't Hawkeye a superhero TV show and not a Christmas movie at all? Yes to the first, but no to the second. Because Hawkeye is, yes, about Jeremy Renner's super archer, super spy and superhero Avenger character. But it's also a show that takes place at Christmas time. And it has Hawkeye desperately trying to get himself and his protege Kate Bishop, played by Hayley Steinfeld, out of trouble and still... Get back to his family in time for Christmas with the kids. That's what makes it a Christmas TV show and not just a TV show that happens to take place at Christmas. It's all about getting home for the holiday itself. Now, the show is a lot of fun. It's on Disney Plus right now. If you'd like to hear more about it, I can quite frankly tell you that we are talking about it on the Empire Spoiler Special podcasts. If you'd like to hear more about it, please do go over to Empire. Have a listen there. Subscribe to our spoiler channel. It's great. Advert for another podcast over. But right now, right here, I spoke to Bert and Birdie, who are a directing duo from here in the UK, who handled episodes three, four and five of the show. So that crucial middle section and quite frankly some of the best episodes so far i spoke to them about getting the balance right for the show between comedy and action and heart i spoke to them about you know given that this is by humbug how they injected christmas into all the episodes and i spoke to them about what makes a christmas movie for them so here are bert and birdie please enjoy So, welcome to Bah Humbug, Bert and Bertie. How are you doing? Great,
2: doing very well. Thank you.
1: Excellent. We're, we've just been discussing. We are now all home for Christmas. So, uh, so well done. You have finished your work in time. You have negotiated the coronavirus maze and uh, and managed to get there. So, how are you feeling? <laughs> Currently healthy and happy. <laughs> It's about all we can ask right now, isn't it? So I was really excited to speak to you both because I've been watching Hawkeye week on week and we have been uh, talking about that on the Empire podcast as well. And it's fantastic. I'm loving it so much. I love that I have a superhero show where the biggest stakes of the show are really, for me anyway, are whether he's going to get home in time for Christmas. So true. Which is, it's exactly what we need, I think.
0: It's what we're all going through, isn't it? We're all trying to get home for Christmas. I think in in, in a random way that the Hawkeyes has just struck that chord with everyone. Just people just want to be with their families. And if you you're trying to get home to different countries, that's what this Christmas is about. So yeah, tune in and <laughs> <out> what happens.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me, how did you how did you get involved in that one, first of all? Was this did this follow on from Troop Zero um doing so well last well, I was about to say last year, but of course it's technically 2019, isn't it?
2: Well, I suppose as happens in Hollywood is you go around couch surfing in non-COVID times and you have lots of what's called general meetings. And we went in for a general meeting with Trin Tran, who's the EP, and we asked her what she was working on. And she said Hawkeye. And they were like, oh, cool. And then she's like, in which we introduce the character of Kate Bishop. And we're like, oh, (laughs) cool. So we instantly wanted to get involved and convinced her to let us pitch, even though they were very far down the pitching process. So we came in hot with some Burtish ideas and
1: and they liked what we had to say. So that was that. What makes an idea Burtish apart from coming from you two?
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. That is such an interesting question.
1: Um, I guess we
0: all we all believe that our views on the world is what it, how everyone else is seeing it. But what we very soon discovered was that maybe we see life slightly differently. So, you know, we we look for the emotion, we look for the hope, but we always we always want to find a little bit of absurdity in every story that we tell. And uh, Hawkeye had it in spades. So we were we were in hook line and sinker.
1: Yeah. And I love, I mean, the Kate Bishop in the show, I, I you know, I've read a few of her comics, but she, she's not, you know, sort of my generation of comics reading. I wasn't reading a lot of her stuff growing up, but she's so optimistic and kind of irrepressible. And uh, she, I think she's instantly won everybody over.
2: She has. And I do think that because our Hawkeye is based very much on the Fraction comics and perhaps Kate Bishop in the Fraction comics has got, obviously, Hawkeye as her hero throughout There's a bit more of a fangirly quality to Hayley's Kate Bishop, which we love, the fact that she can be goofy and, you know, archery geeky, but still be fierce and smart and, like, this badass action hero that we want her to be. So she's really, really, like, walked that tightrope brilliantly, where she can (laughs) annoy Clint, but she endears herself to the audience at the same time.
1: Yes, it, uh, yeah, that is a fine tightrope, actually, and uh, yes, yeah, it just seems to be working so far. Only one, uh, as we record this, we've only got one episode left to go. So, mm. uh, so I think I think it's I think it's gone well. And you guys basically did the sort of the middle trunch uh, section of the of this sh- series. Is that correct? We did, we did. It's probably a slightly unusual way to do it, but um, you know, we got those
0: the, the three middle episodes, which had everything in it for us. It had everything from the amazing action sequence in three to a very intimate conversation on a sofa between them in and four. And then obviously the the conversation that everyone's talking about between, you know, Kate and Yelena in five. So it, it had everything that we wanted across the three episodes, but also in each episode it, it has everything you want from drama to comedy to action. Um, so we we kind of got to play with all of the tools and the toolbox.
1: Yeah. Did it hurt to give it something back to somebody else for the uh, finale? No, after after ninety eight days, we were quite happy to. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably wise. No, this is obviously a Christmas movies podcast, so I do have to ask about the sort of the Christmasy, Christmassy or aspects of the show. That's a technical term. You, you've you've talked, I think, elsewhere about uh, getting them into ugly Christmas jumpers was a priority. Is that is that the case? It was. It was one of our original concept images. So we did a few concept images.
2: I'm trying to think of the other ones, actually. There was definitely a KB Toys concept art, but our favourite one by far was just the two of them eating pizza on a sofa with bad Christmas sweaters and we're like, this has to go in the show at some point. And that, as we call it, the Christmas montage is, you know, really the heart and soul of, of the three episodes. You know, it's mm-hmm. them coming to, they've kind of come together as archers in the three and four was definitely about them coming together as friends you know realizing who each of them are individually that they're such different people but they have this kinship that goes beyond just archery um and like very early on you feel like kate you know kate needs clint but actually that's the moment you realize that perhaps clint needs a kate bishop in his life
1: yeah it's it's interesting because there, there's an element of sort of you know confession there I, I mean i'm i'm trying to avoid too many spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet but there's an element of him kind of confessing to some of the things that he's not proud of in his life um at that at that moment and 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 almost getting a little bit of acceptance and almost um it's almost a relief i think to kind of come clean to her because she does have this fangirl aspect and the fact that that kind of survives that moment i think maybe gives him a little bit of hope for the future yes (laughs) is that right (laughs) you're just nodding yes (laughs) that's very well said (laughs) <laughs> but it also, I mean, maybe this is one of the things that that are you know, setting it at a Christmas actually gives to the show because it is a time where you do get into these random rambling conversations with family and friends, and everything kind of slows down. And you maybe have room for those moments of of kind of I don't know serendipity, confession, bonding, whatever you want to call it. Um, it seems like maybe that's a, the time of year that kind of leans into these things.
0: Absolutely, and and that conversation really does go through through it all I mean that that's what's so so great about it up until that final moment where she asks that question that she's kind of been wanting to ask or probably been in the back of her head for a while but it's it's when she finally realizes hold on
1: mm-hmm. and then,
0: then that changes their relationship I don't want to give away any spoilers.
1: <laughs> I'm hoping I will put a spoiler warning on the beginning of this, so hopefully people will have uh, already seen the show. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. You also have at one point again a carriage getting thrown off a roof, caught by Christmas lights. So was there an element of like thinking through like what can we do with Christmassy things in these action scenes and these bigger moments?
2: It literally was. Um, the original scripted version had her just falling and being caught by. The, um, the the cable that Yelena attaches to her. And we're always thinking of, it wasn't just like sophisticated Christmas. It was always what we'd call sad Christmas, or we'd call it shit Christmas, but I'm not so sure whether we're allowed to say that. Oh no, you can swear away, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like a little bit of shit Christmas to my production designer. Pop a shit Christmas here, pop a shit Christmas here. <laughs> so it just meant tacky, real sometimes lonely, whatever Christmas we could bring to it. And so at that point, we wanted Kate to, like Yelena knew that there was these lights there and threw her off knowing she was going to get caught by the lights. And then Kevin and Trin came back and said, you know what, We, we do need Clint, which is absolutely true. We need Clint to make a choice and cut her free, you know, symbolically at that point. And so we're like, well, let's have both. Best of both worlds. Cable cut. Lands in Christmas lights. So, um, and I think yeah, it was that image of kind of Kate just surrounded by Christmas in this really weighty moment. And I think there was a bit of inspiration from the Birdman kind of, uh, what do you call it? Corner shop. What do mm-hmm. you call it in America? Bodega. Thank you. That's exactly it. Oh. Um, yeah. So there was that kind of like, oh, we could do a little feeling of that here. On
1: the Amazing. Room. Yeah. And even in the in the big car chase in episode three, you've got um, essentially driving over a, a sort of pop-up waving arm Santa. I don't know what those things are called, but it, it sort of pops up and waves its arms. It's a wavy yeah. arm
0: Santa. Yeah. It's a
1: wavy arm Santa. That's, yeah. that's a technical term. Okay, good. Um,
0: but that was also another thing is, you know, bringing, obviously we wanted to put as many trick errors as possible into the car chase. And it's like, how can one of those involve Christmas? And, you know, at that moment it gets he tries to get away. So, going into a Christmas tree lot made a lot of sense. And I think there was at one point even someone running out of the way and she's like, sorry. um But you've got that kind of sorry center as they leave the car park. And yeah, you're right. So, that balloon kind of pops up right into camera, which is, you know, another little nod to Christmas, but also keeping in that kind of slightly absurd tone.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: you're back to the action. So, it's nice, it's to, give, it's nice to give the audience that, that kind of break in the middle yeah. of the. This- epic action sequence.
1: And and how was it working with that level of action? Because, you know, very, very few, I mean, you've done films, you've done other great TV shows. The, the great is fantastic. But, you know, the level of action in a Marvel movie or TV show is, I think, on a whole different scale to almost anything. So how how was it engaging with that? Uh,
2: pretty yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> they do give you a lot of support and not just that the, the incredible teams come in and go, this is how we do it. It's like, oh, we've got some crazy ideas. Let's get together and see how that can be achieved. And so, they, you know, Marvel is very good at supporting people they feel have voice and vision and then they give you all the, the teams and the tools and the tricks in order to to get it done.
0: Yeah, there was, there was never a moment where just because we hadn't done a car chase, they were like, well, let us let us just show you how this is done. It never happened. It was more a case of, what do you want to do to tell the story? And it was so refreshing in that way. And then, as Bertie just said, there were so many people that make that happen. You know, the the, the rotating camera is a great example. The, the, you know, they had their doubts about the sequence. Um, people were trying it in the other shows, and and we just persevered and did tests and found ways to do it because. It was narratively led. It was led mm-hmm. by the fact that you want to keep the audience in the car with your cast because they're banter; it's hilarious. And we didn't want to detract from that. And that's why you when you go out the window when she goes out the windows, because you're mm-hmm. following your character. So I think because it was character led, they supported it one hundred percent. It was just a case of figuring out how to do it. And of course our techie geek sites loved all of that stuff and building that rig and how do you how do we actually make this happen? So Yeah, they were were incredibly supportive all the way through. Yeah,
1: Do do you have to almost train yourself out of being sensible for a show like this? Do you have to train yourself out of thinking inside the box because you know what you can afford on most productions and you're trying to sort of, you know, figure out what you can do? Is is there an element of sort of going, oh, wait, we have massive resources suddenly. What do we do now?
2: I think as a a filmmaker, you're always trying to push the boundaries of what you're able to do. And and there is, um, you know, when we've done something like Troop Zero, there's this wonderful kind of um, creativity about creating stuff within the boundaries. But even on something like as big as a Marvel show, you still have, like, financial respect. So you're still making choices. And if you want your 360 rotating camera, guess what, guys? You might have to give up this or this. There's a point at which we might have dropped a couple of trick arrows from... The car chase but then we made some concessions elsewhere so it's it's always that here's your pizza and
1: that you can have these slices of it you know yeah this number of toppings and then you've got to figure out which toppings (laughs) look bumble
0: knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble
1: now. I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author, and host of Women vs. Hollywood, a new podcast from the Strict Media family. We're exploring the fall and rise of women in Hollywood, from the silent era to the present day and into the future. Each episode, I'm joined by three or more special guests to discuss the challenges that women face in the film industry and look at what we can do to change the picture. We've got actors, directors, producers, writers, academics, film experts, you name it, they're all here to explain what's going on in Hollywood. Search for Women vs. Hollywood now, wherever you're listening to this, and come join us. I wanted to ask about your your attitude to Christmas in general, because you had a character called Christmas in Troop Zero. So, you know, uh, where, where did that come from?
0: That was actually from Lucy's original so Lucy the writer, she had she based the film on a play and there was a character in there called Christmas. So that that was always part of of the film. Um but you're right, there is a nice theme running through. <laughs> we should have we should have planted some Christmas in the great. Um, mm-hmm. But, but no, that, that was part of the story. And then, I, I mean, we are big, we're big suckers for Christmas, to be honest. You know, anything that's to do with family and ritual, like we're all in.
1: Yes. Well, absolutely. hundred percent present. I mean, I feel like the great looks Christmassy anyway, just because of the richness of basically oh, everything in that. So, true, you know, true it's true. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, let's, let's talk Christmas films in general. Cause I, you know, this is kind of one of the things we've, we, we've been talking about in this show is, is the sort of, First of all, what is your go-to Christmas film? Is there one that you have to watch every year? Hail or shine, it's got to happen. Does it need to be Christmassy? No, not at all.
0: Oh, it's Princess Bride.
1: Oh, well, it is a Christmas film. It is a Christmas film. Fred Savage, at the beginning, when he's sick in bed, oh, you look around the room, there's a, there's a a Santa on the wall and I think a tiny tree. Oh, wait, and that makes it a Christmas film? Totally makes it a Christmas film. I love that. I love that. But yeah, that that's an all-time classic, also. So, when did do you remember when you first saw it? Has it basically just always been there?
0: It's just always been there. Yeah, I, I, you know, you can't pinpoint these things when you're as young as we are. Um, yes, no, it's always been. It's always been. There's actually been a negotiation going on in, in the house this year. What the film is going to be. So it, it might not be Princess Bride for the first time.
1: Oh, what's what's what were what the other contenders?
0: You're not going to believe it. <laughs>
1: Galaxy Quest, brilliant, brilliant film. <laughs> why not? By Grab Thar's hammer? Why not? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and Birdie, how about you?
2: I, I, no, I was trying to think. Like, is there a go-to every year? No, we don't actually have a a go-to every year. I think like there's got to be some kind of current movie that we tend to watch. It, it changes with having kids as well. Mm just watched this Christmas with them, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And sat down thinking, so I've got a seven, well, just turned eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And I thought, oh, it's going to be too much. You know, that's like, am I going to regret this, that they've got jet lag and now I'm injecting, you know, Jack Skellington into their brains. But they actually loved it. I think they, it's like, "Ah, I'm a sucker for a musical. And it's, you know, it started off and I was like, hold on, has there been the West End slash Broadway musical of Nightmare Before Christmas yet? And if not, no. when's Tim Burton going to do that? Because it is, I think it's just the music, you know, we watched it at the Hollywood Bowl one year with Danny Elfman conducting a live orchestra and all of the original cast came out to do the voices. And it's just it's just the most spectacular ride without being twee but then watching it through the kids' eyes, as we did this Christmas, I realized that they don't see them, they don't see the the scariness of it. They see the silliness of it because I, I, when it first started and I said to my little boy, I was like, oh, by the way, they just their job is to be scary, so they're trying so hard to be scary, but they're just real kind of like they're just characters in this. And then he just started pointing out he goes oh he's silly oh and he's silly and he's silly and she's silly and then they just got into it and it was just it was wonderful to watch them on the ride with Jack Skellington and seeing a character that's dark actually have this lot a lot of a lot of love and a kind of passion for what he could be like a longing for for something else and I think that's when Christmas stories really work is when they're just like with Hawkeye, when it's a universal journey that everyone can associate with, and I was actually interestingly because the other when you guys asked, it was like, "What's the other?" And it's not original as a favourite Christmas movie, but um, it's *A Wonderful Life*. And when we sat down to watch um, *Nightmare Before Christmas*, I was like, "Wow, this *It's a Wonderful Life* is about what could have been or what I could have become." And I was like, "That's that's an interesting parallel with *The Nightmare Before Christmas*, right there."
1: Yeah yeah cuz he's trying so hard to be something different than he actually is and that yes. yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a great christmas movie it's absolutely great and it, it's the first one i think to come in season as it were as a christmas movie like you can watch that from november 1st i feel like and that that will say, see you right through the christmas season you know <laughs> yes.
2: I and mean, it yeah, a bit of an easter bunny kind of yeah you could, there's an easter bunny in, in the middle as well so you could watch it honestly any time of the year so honestly <laughs> so musical needs to happen
0: yeah we also need to do a shout out for elf Obviously the greatest movie of all time,
2: controversial.
0: Um, Yeah, which I've already watched once. So there's still time to do it multiple times.
1: Weirdly, I've just been sent two TikToks this morning of people going around, both London and I think um, LA, recreating scenes from when he first arrives in New York. The so, revolving it, like, it's door. yeah, the revolving door, the, the, trying to get on the escalator and sort of with the spread legs and everything, hopping across the the pedestrian crossing. You know, it's it's a classic. The other question I always ask everybody is. What are your Christmas traditions in your house? do you have a particular time that you open presents? Is there a particular thing you have to eat every year? Is there a you know is there something unusual about your Christmas that uh, sets it apart from everyone else's? Uh,
2: I, I don't know because you don't weirdly until you start this question, you don't realize the nuances in everyone's household. So for us in our kind of Christmas tradition is that Santa presents happen, you know, they're, they're left at the end of the bed and they happen on Christmas morning.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Excitement, excitement. And then there's a whole painful day of waiting to open family presents that are under the tree. Oh. Of the lunch. So the presents are eked out, which is nice because then the kids have, and so obviously we're doing that with our kids now. But then my husband's Christmas traditions kind of come in on that. And Santa only brings like tiny things in his household and then the big things come from the parents, whereas the parents never really gave anything to us as kids. They were just like, "Oh, we'll let Santa deal with that." So it's interesting when traditions collide like that.
1: Yeah, that that's a that's a difficult one to negotiate in that case. Sure. You've got to, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? <laughs> and Bert, how about you? Do you have anything in particular? Um, I think mine is a very traditional
0: Christmas. I've got a one-year-old, so fortunately, I can just wrap boxes in paper, and that that's all he really needs as a gift right now. Um, <laughs> because unwrapping them is like the best part because he's allowed to mm-hmm. tear the paper. Um, but one of my favorite that I will build in when he's old enough not to choke on them is the Christmas stocking at the end of the bed. My friend Bronwyn's family, I used to spend Christmas with them and they would put all the presents at the foot of the bed in a stock- in the stocking, but it was a pillowcase. But the pillowcase had a hole in it. So you could then follow and trace the, the trail of Smarties all the way to the chimney where Santa had kind of disappeared up. And then Whoa. when you go down there, you realise that there were more presents. So as soon as he's able not to choke to death on Smarties, um, that's going to happen.
1: That's adorable. That's so cute.
2: <laughs> it's a little E.T. kind of thing going on there yeah. as well. It's like,
1: yeah, yeah. why not start
0: yeah. the day with some chocolate? It's a great idea.
2: Start as you
1: mean to go on, right? <laughs> You've had, as I say, Christmas in Troop Zero. You've had Christmas in Hawkeye. Is this something you're going to keep going through your career? Can you see yourselves making a full-on Christmas movie at some point in the future? Of
0: course, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, to make something that that touches us as much as those films have. um, Because there's something about ritual, and there's something about returning to something every year. That is a, you know, it's it's a very human action that we that we kind of we, we've lost touch with our rituals so to be able to be part of that would be would be such an extraordinary kind of privilege um it would just have to be the right story that's dark enough to appeal to our virtue sensibilities
2: yeah there's a nutcracker to be had in a burton vein which we've always wanted to do and that's something that that that, that i've returned to every year since being a, a a dancer as a child and not sure it's it's been achieved for cinema quite brilliantly yet with enough dance to, to, to see us through. So yeah, will be a golden chalice for sure.
1: Yeah, the, the one a couple of years ago was was fun and sweet, but uh, but perhaps not quite the full-on nutcracker experience.
2: You know, Hoffman's, origi- you know, Dumas, it's not a twee tale. It's kind of, it's batshit crazy, but it's not twee. <laughs> So it needs to be emotional, but yeah, there's 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 something there's
1: something in that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, listen, well, fingers crossed you'll be back in a couple of years to talk about that. Um, but in the meantime, congratulations on Hawkeye. It's been so fun, and I feel like that might well be on the Christmas rotation for a lot of people from in, in years to come. So you know, you're uh, you're all set that way. But uh, in the meantime, happy Christmas. Have a great time. Thank you, Helen. This was
0: such a lovely chat.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much. Cheers. Well, that's it for this episode of BA Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays. Just heard a stripped media production.